Bugs and Bros. One to deep left center field. Back it goes, and that ball's out of here. A grand slam from Miguel Cabrera. He's got two goals. Larkin in on goal. Scores! His first career hat trick in his seventh season for Dylan Larkin. Here's your host, Anthony Bellino. Rise and shine, folks. Welcome back here. X's and Bros, Michigan Sports Network. So great to have you all riding along with us, no matter who you are, where you are, how you may be listening. All across the great state of Michigan and in Northwest Ohio as well. From Traverse City down to the Glass City, GR to the Motor City. We say good morning to you. We welcome you. We thank you. We appreciate you. And of course, we encourage you. Join the program at any time. Text the keyword sports radio. Send that to 21,000. Or call us on the Meyer Supercenter guest line, 248 951 248-951-2176. Is Freddie still there, Dan? No, he's not. He's not there anymore? Unfortunately, no. I mean, I would have hung up, too. I'm not going to lie. Oh, he might be calling back. All right. You, you check that out. I did get a tweet here. Uh, we got to set the record straight, folks. We got to set it straight. Compare defenses that LeBron faced and what Kareem faced. I don't recall defenses allowing 140 points in regulation in the 70s and the 80s. Wrong. The top 10 seasons of NBA league average points per game. League average, the highest ever. 1961-62, followed up by 60-61, the 66-67 season, 69-70, 67 68 65 66 the 62 63 season 59 60 you get my point finally not until you get all the way down to the ninth highest scoring season is 22 23 the season we're in is the ninth highest scoring season in nba history there are only five such instances after the year of 2018 in the top 35 in the league average points per game so, our very revisionist history here. I think a lot of people forget there were no defense played in the 60s and 70s. Let's get back to Freddie. Good morning, Freddie. Are we better now? Do we, we're yeah, good? Let's not, and, let's, and let's not forget, Gordy Howell plays versus five teams. All right? No disrespect to Gordy Howell. Now, somebody did teams. say that. Somebody said, so we want to discredit Eisman for playing against 80s competition, yet we applaud Gordy for lighting up truck drivers, farmers, and goalies with no masks. That's interesting. I'm not trying to discredit Steve Eiserman and what he accomplished. At the end of the day, he scored 65 goals in a season. I would love for somebody to score 65 goals in a season for the Detroit Red Wings this year. It ain't going to happen. All I'm saying is, much different. Much different in the 80s when the goaltending was terrible. Listen, no one's right here, no one's wrong here, but even though you'll, you'll just say I'm wrong anyway. But all I say is, Go out tonight and go buy a LeBron jersey, and I want you to wear it tomorrow when you want to. No, I'm not buying a LeBron jersey. I do have a LeBron high school jersey, but I'm a Michael Jordan truther. Like I, Michael Jordan is my greatest of all time. I, I, laugh, I laugh at the Detroit people that always say, Jordan, I can never root for Jordan. Nah, 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 nah. But, but, but it was Isaiah Thomas that 
just that totally disrespected him and walked off the court. And it was Joe D that was all class, and people forget about that. But Bill Lambeer was a was a was my guy, our guys, the big babies and stuff, and tail between their legs, and, and, and just it just showed no class. And again, Joe Joe Dumars, my one of my favorite all time Detroit guys, was all class. That that's what I like, all class. So I, I do want to talk to you about this. Now we're not going to be able to do this in one segment. I'm giving I'm giving you a homework assignment. Now, I unless I, I mean, I'm actually going to have to do the homework as well too, but because I can't think of this on the fly. But that would be nice really, for you to come to the argument prepared and pre- with some facts. That would be good. Yeah, please. What? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, listen, you got the mic. You got the show. Don't worry. Most people won't believe you. That's okay. But here, I mean, I I, 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 I do. I present facts. You present uh, opinion. Nah, not really. But anyway. Jalen Watts Jackson. I really believe that could be the top play in Detroit sports and college sports in the state of Michigan. I really believe that. So I would love to come up with a top five play. Uh, I did bring up the Eisman. I watched that game. I watched that game. It was one nothing when he scored the uh, overtime goal. Uh, I don't know if it was overtime or not, but it was a one nothing game, and he shot the right corner. Incredible goal. Um, he definitely makes the top five, but I mean, top five play. Could you come up with something now? I mean, it's got to be. See, it can't be just a. I mean, it's easy to say Barry Sanders, you know, because of some of his great runs, you know. But it's got to be something that really means something. Like Jalen Watts Jackson, that meant something. That that turned Harbaugh to a ghost on the sideline. Now, um, Eisenman, that goal was a big win. Barry Sanders run in the playoffs against uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Tony Casillas made himself look stupid. That was big because they won a playoff game. So I would say those are in the top five. Could you come up with anything else in the top five right now? Or you have to think about it. Top five plays in state of Michigan sports history. Is that where we're going at? Uh, and Detroit sports. I, Maglio. I really, yeah, it's Maglio was at the that that was up there. Okay, uh, I have one more, but I didn't, I didn't want to give it away. But I I I, I kind of have one more. The Tayshawn block that meant something, right? The Tayshawn block. Tayshawn Tayshawn block, sure. Tay Tay. So, um, I mean, again, I like again, I, I really believe Jamie Watt Jackson is number one. I, I don't I don't see how you can top Jamie Watt Jackson. I just don't see how you can top it. Because it was a regular, it was a regular season game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you're right. Well, you say you're Tayshawn, right. you say it meant something. I mean, that's a that's a postseason game to win a series. Like that's kind of that's kind of different. Um, that's kind of different. There's a little bit of a difference there. Maglio, that's a playoff game. You mentioned Steve Eiserman in the Blues. What 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 do all these things have in common? What what do they have in common? Playoff games. Um, you know, you want to go to the NCAA tournament? Like, do you want to factor factor that in? The, uh, I got I, another it, one. it didn't it didn't work in Michigan's favor, but the Trey Burke block that was called a foul, uh, Jordan Poole's bucket at uh, mid court that he heaved to advance that was pretty uh, that was pretty special. Um, I have another one: Ramiro Robinson free throw versus Keith Hall. That there you go. Incredible. There you go. Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I'm not gonna. There's got to be. There's got to be more on the line than a regular season game. Sorry, 
I just, at what least was, for me, what because. Was what was Michigan's record that year? Um, uh, I don't know what nine and three or something. Yeah, nine and three, know. eight and four, seven and five, six and six, zero oh and twelve. Yeah, but it was just I guess I guess you got to factor in the call by. Um, no, that's um, uh, not if we're not. You can't keep moving the goalposts here. Is it an all-time great moment in De- in Detroit sports history to win a regular season game? I don't think so. I, uh, that's just yeah. me, though. That, I Freddie, mean, you just got to understand. Anthony's still hurt by this play. Oh my He's God. just still Here in the denial go. phase. You know, it's it, and that's the he thing. Deflects. Like, yeah, a special team snafu on our part. He deflects on and our he's part in is the best play in in team history. Congratulations, we're happy for you. Yeah, yeah, Probably, probably Charles Woodson's interception in East Lansing. That's probably a better play because that. I mean, that's just him making a play, not well, it's just on a regular season dropping. game. So, I but it's just a regular matter. season game, so it doesn't really necessarily matter. Him fighting David Boston's probably a better play. Uh, his performance oh, in the Rose enough. Bowl is probably sixty minutes of better plays. Um, but I'm sure we can go back in time and find a whole bunch of better plays than somebody doing a scoop and score off of a botched snap on a punt. Yeah, but you know, when you felt yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but you know the eighties, the eighties had no, oh, it was great scoring, but they didn't wear any pads, so yeah, but you know, I can't believe he told me to shut up too. I going on this big rant about Joe Dumars in class and told me to shut up. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. I am shocked. All right, we're gonna step aside. We I don't, did we even get into LeBron James on the record, like the actual conversation. We'll talk about it. Actually, Brandon Dent's going to join us as well. You might know him as Detroit Kool-Aid. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Detroit Pistons, what they have uh, going on here at the deadline. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. X's and Bros, Michigan Sports Network. Score great deals on everything you need for the big game this week at Meyer. Stock up on essentials with buy five, save $5 on items like Sweet Baby Ray's Barbecue Wing Sauce or Marinade, Kraft Shredded or Chunk Cheese, and Coca-Cola 24-pack cans. All buy five, save $5, plus deposit where applicable. And pick up a few extra-large avocados for guacamole. Just 77 cents. Save on everything for the big game when you shop Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. When you're in construction, you know that every minute matters and every dollar counts. You've got materials to purchase, employees to pay, and deadlines to meet. What you don't have is time to worry about your accounting, taxes, or ways to grow your business. That's where we come in. We're Bean Garter. And while your business is construction, our business is helping you run your business better. From tax planning, payroll processing, or R&D credit studies, we're here for you with concrete advice and answers. Let us help you build a solid foundation for your business. Whether you're a subcontractor, developer, architect, or engineer, of all the things you build, make your business the strongest. Experience service, expertise, and simplicity at Bean Garter. Find us online, beangarter.com. Bean Garter. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Michelob Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. 
is X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Network. X is a Bros Michigan Sports Network. Great to have you riding along with us, no matter who you are, where you are, how you may be listening all across the great state of Michigan. So as we were talking a little bit about uh, LeBron James's record and uh, setting the all-time regular season point scoring record for uh, the NBA, somehow it got brought into Steve Eiserman, which somehow got brought into uh, 80s goaltending, which we have spiraled. But that's okay. It's sports radio, right? Terry over on the west side. Sends me a message because I went back in time to look up some of the highest scoring seasons in NBA history. And in the top 10, there is only one that has taken place in the top 10 now after 1971. Terry says, yo, the top NBA scoring years you mentioned were all before Kareem uh, began his career. His first pro season was 70-71. His first pro season was actually 69-70. For Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And if you go back further into the crates a little bit here and you look up, and I know that it can be difficult at times to to have to look all of this up. Based on just the numbers of points per game, you will only find five instances in the top 35 NBA seasons for highest league average points per game that have happened after 1991. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played 16 of his 20 years in those top 35 seasons of points per game. Like, they were scoring more during his era. There were more points per games added. Like, that's just, it, it's just the way, I, I don't know, I, I can't, I don't know how else to kind of quantify this. I know that LeBron James has a three-point Anthony, line. it's really the revisionist history. It's like saying of, Scott Mitchell's the best quarterback in Lions history, which it's, is it's vehemently more, false. Yeah, it's more about the revisionist history of the 80s NBA when, in reality, there were like probably 20 games where it got really bad. You know, the Pistons, Bulls, maybe some Lakers, Celtics. Those games, yeah, they got brutal. But 95% of the games were played – how typical basketball games are played. Yeah, and and <laughs> you can you can act like you know every guy was getting forearm shivers to the to the chin. That's not the case. Yeah, you don't you don't want to see this next this next stat I have buried in the crates. After 1991, you want to start looking up free throws attempted. Like, oh, they were there today's game. You look at somebody wrong, and it's a foul. I understand the complaint there. I do. We're looking at league average free throws attempted per game. When do you think the first instance, league average, free throws attempted per game happened after the year of 1991? What are you saying? League average, free throws attempted per year. During the 1991 season, because that's the benchmark, basically, of what I'm going for, the top 35 seasons in scoring. I'm looking at 1991 because the Jordan years, there wasn't a whole lot of scoring. And there wasn't a whole lot of scoring in the early 2000s either. And we just finally, after 2018, started scoring the ball more. And now people are like, oh, there's just too much offense. There's a scoring explosion. It's like, no, really, it's not. How many years? In 1991, there were 27.9 free throws attempted per game, league average. 
Where, where do you think that ranks in history of most free throws attempted in a game? How many seasons do you think are ahead of that? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I would say, how many is it per game? 27.9 free Holy throws attempted cow. in 1991. Um, I mean, I would put that at probably, probably like 15th all time, something like that. It ranks 37th. 37th all time. That means there are 36 seasons prior to 1990-1991 in which there are 28 or more free throws attempted in a game. Like so not now like you're like this is where and that's what really gets me about the fact argument. I don't mean to just I'm not just harping at Freddie, but it's because Freddie told me to shut up and I got it I really that really hurt my feelings. He did he 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 uh texted back and said he said it with a smile. I know and you you could tell how hurt I am right now. And I have to get this off my chest because we do have very revisionist history. And when you come to the table with facts like I did about 80s goaltending when you know I looked so when it was brought about Steve Eiserman, right? Cuz comparing eras is different cuz everybody played in a different era. This is a much different era. You know, there was nobody in the 80s stepping back and hitting three, shooting 40% from three like Carl Anthony Towns. There was nobody like that. Do I want him as a piston? No, I don't. Right? And it's like, you know, there was nobody. What Michael Jordan was doing, like rising up and dunking over the top of people, was crazy. Two three-peats was crazy. Kobe Bryant, five titles, the closest thing to Jordan. LeBron James, a super freak of an athlete who has maintained relatively good health, who didn't shoot it well from long range in the early stages of his career, but developed and evolved. I'm not, he's still got four titles. He also has six losses in the finals, but he does have four titles. I say that Steph Curry is the most influential player in the game of basketball since Michael Jordan because of how he changed the dynamic of the long ball and what that means to the game. Wilt Chamberlain might be top to bottom, like the best athlete that's ever played. And all I've seen is black and white footage, right? And it's like Larry Bird, that era of late 80s Celtics. That was a great era, fun era of basketball. I'm not taking anything away from that. What Steve Eiserman did in that 88-89 season where he scored 65 goals, was third in the league in goal scored, his highest output of goal scored ever. All I did was go back and look at the numbers and look at the factual evidence behind the case that 80s goaltending was worse than modern-day goaltending. It's just the way that it was. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I know that that's hard to admit. And then when the counter-argument is they didn't wear pads in the 80s, so you just made my point for me. So, you're, so they didn't wear pads in the 80s, which means it's easier to score in the 80s, which means goals would be up in the 80s. And then if you look at the footage of guys that are playing goalie now in the form in which they goaltend, that has evolved from guys standing there like a, what's the, you know, the, the target target practice thing you have, you know what I mean? And you, you, you tape it in the net and you can go, you can go under, you can go, you know, five hole, you can go in the corners. You know what I'm talking about? The goalies like this. Yeah. That's how they play in the eighties. They got the glove hand out, the sticks down like that. That's what it was. They just stood there. Goaltending has evolved. Players are better. You know, would Larry Bird have had success in today's game? Absolutely. 
Absolutely he would have. Would LeBron James have had success in the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Think about that uh, kind no, of athlete. The thing is, LeBron probably, in the if LeBron was an athlete in the 80s, he would have been pushed to play football. Well, you, no, I mean, the, the, I think, honestly, look, go back and watch, like, James Worthy. Here's, here's something fun for you. Go to YouTube and watch the 1987 NBA Finals. It's all on YouTube. I did this one time as an experiment. James Worthy was like a modern-day wing back then. Like, that's how he played. Like, he played with that speed, that up-tempo, get up and down the floor, can go in transition, can shoot at mid-range, can dunk it, like, all of these different things. Like, it's, it's just, that's just what it was. And we can appreciate it for what it was. Kareem's record stood for 38 years. LeBron James is 38 years old. Like the script writer of the NBA who's, who's taken time off from the NFL because they got it, they've already written the script for the Super Bowl. The script, like, who writes this stuff? It's, it, it is something out of a movie. Now, did he have to drop an F bomb? No. Did they have to have 800 people on the court last night? No. But it's something that's never going to happen again in our lifetime. Like, that's it. I mean, we, it didn't take 10 minutes. I don't, I didn't see it last night. The Tigers did it for Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit. I mean, just say They did it for Drew Brees when he on. broke the record. It happens all the time. It, it, and gave him a paper plate. Like, it's it, fine. It, it, Yeah, they handed him a ball. Kareem had the ball up top, dropped it, it in front, it someone, it to LeBron. A like, passing of the torch. Someone tweeted out, it's like, you're upset that they stopped the game for 10 minutes, but, like, why else are you watching a Tuesday night game between the 12th and the 13th seed in the Western Conference? We'll step aside. Brandon Dent will join us next talking Detroit basketball on the other side of the Michigan Sports Network. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Michelob Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. From planting a simple seed to managing a global food supply, growing, processing, and distributing food is the backbone of America. You deal with food safety and labor issues, cost control, and not to mention Mother Nature. But do you have time to explore research development and biotechnical tax credits? Properly administer payroll for temporary employees. Ensure that you're operating at your most profitable... That's where we come in. We're Bean Garter. And while your business is America's food supply, our business is helping you run your business better. We'll assist with tax credits, assess your processes and controls, and so much more. And while we may not be able to help you plant your crops, we can help you realize a rich financial harvest. From the family farm to worldwide distribution of all the things you grow, grow your business better. Experience, service, expertise, and simplicity at Bean Garter. Find us online, beangarter.com. Bean Garter. Score great deals on everything you need for the big game this week at Meyer. Stock up on essentials with buy five, save $5 on items like Sweet Baby Ray's Barbecue Wing Sauce or Marinade, Kraft Shredded or Chunk Cheese, and Coca-Cola 24-pack cans. All buy five, save $5, plus deposit where applicable. And pick up a few extra-large avocados for guacamole. Just 77 cents. Save on everything for the big game when you shop Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app.
Traverse City to the Glass City, GR to the Motor City. You're listening to X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Network. Hey, folks, a reminder if you're ready for the biggest Sunday in sports, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports heady partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action that you're, you're ever going to need. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 in free bets instantly, plus all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with the DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. Right? Like, are we going to go with Patrick Mahomes? Total yards over under. Travis Kelsey, total catches, anytime touchdowns. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code HUGE, promo code H-U-G-E. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57. Get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Only using the promo code HUGE. 21 plus in most eligible states, but varies by jurisdiction. Void to our friends in Ontario and in Ohio. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. State-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bonus issued is free bets. Opt-in is required for the odds boost. Bet type and amount limits do vary. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Hey, uh, Dan, were you able to get a hold of Brandon? Oh, fantastic. All right. So a lot going on here uh, in today's program with uh, the LeBron James celebration, the very revisionist history uh, of what we have. We'll get into furthermore. I've, I've tweeted that all out at AC Bellino. If you want to see the, the statistical numbers, the seasons, all of that, I'll take screenshots from uh, for basketball reference so you can take a look with your own eyeballs and see. But it's time now to welcome in a man who once went by an alias. We didn't know what his real name was because he was only at Detroit Kool-Aid on Twitter and he had a picture of the Kool-Aid man. But now his name is Brandon Dent. great to have him on the program. Brandon, my friend, Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Covering the Detroit Pistons over at Woodward Sports. How are you, partner? How's life? How are things? Hey, I, I, things are great. I am touched by this intro. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we have definitely interacted for years online, but it, it's much better to try and make friends rather than uh, people wondering. Who is Detroit Kool-Aid? Who is Detroit? Who is that masked man? I mean, you can't walk into LCA with a picture of the blue Kool-Aid man on your credentials. They're not, I don't know if that's going to work, right? you got to drop the cell phone, the keys and everything, and a little slide thing when you go through. All right, Brand, i got to ask you, did you stay up late last night to watch LeBron James set the scoring record? Me and LeBron James, we have a bad history, but I did at least catch a little bit of it. I, okay. I, I tried to, but, um, you know, 25 of those points in the, in the playoffs, uh, straight against the Pistons, they kind of, oh. you know, I, it was just, it was a little tough. But uh, congratulations to to LeBron James. I won't be bitter about it. Yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to block that out. Um, that that is something that was always for all of my friends that uh, I went to school with down in Ohio. All my college friends, they would always you know, a bunch of Cleveland people. So it was nonstop. Every argument ended with 25 straight. Like that's just, it was, oh. I can remember the Jersey. You can remember the shots. The dude just went absurd. And it was, it was just heartbreaking to have to watch. But luckily for it, it us, uh, we got to, uh, you know, now we got to argue about, we, we, we've gone into the eras debate today on the program. Lots of calls, text, tweets, all that good stuff. I'm trying to set the record straight, trying to present factual evidence. People just want to throw it to the wind, but that's neither here uh, nor there. So let's get into a little bit about what the Pistons have going on. Trade deadline is tomorrow. It's interesting. You know, Super Bowl week, we got all the LeBrons going crazy, and we have all of these different things happening. But let's bring it back to the Pistons and how difficult is this season to try to evaluate knowing 
that the former number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, he's not a part of this equation this year. So we really, I mean, how difficult is it to evaluate where this team is actually at this year? Do we just kind of take this year and throw it to the wind? It's very difficult to to determine, you know, something that, you know, Rod Beard of the Detroit News and myself state often uh, on the podcast is that um, Kay Cunningham is the straw that stirs the drink. And we continue to state this just based on how we saw this team play. Before there was a game plan last year, we noticed every time he's in, even though Jeremy Grant, you know, is the individual who was supposed to be the team lead, the team just seemed to resonate better when Kay Cunningham played. As they went through the offseason and began to absolutely, you know, lean more into this and commit to Kay Cunningham as that, you know, franchise-defining connector, as Troy Weaver called him, he's a connector, you know, um, we saw this team kind of create an identity or start to build up an identity behind Kay Cunningham. So when he got hurt, uh, it was tough. You know, the season started rough with a lot of different players getting hurt. Uh, largely Marvin Bagley, who was Cade Cunningham's uh, pick-and-roll partner uh, from last year. You know, the Pistons went on a 10-14 and 14 stretch post-All-Star breaking games that Cade Cunningham played in, which was a tremendous stretch, you know, up over 400% winning percentage uh, compared to on the season, which was under or sub-30%. So he makes a difference. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do this season. Uh, and, you know, Bojan Bogdanovic, he kind of echoed it in his interview with Hoops Hype as well that the entire offense was catered and centered around uh, Cade Cunningham. And so it gets really, really difficult to gauge where the team is and the parts around him. That's what gets difficult. Uh, but the season's not a waste. It's not a throwaway. You know, you want to see what these young players are doing, uh, what they're developing. There were questions that we had for Jaden Ivey as it related to, can he become a serviceable playmaker and ball handler next to Cade Cunningham? And what we've continued to also ask ourselves is, is can Jaden Ivey be not a Robbins to Cade Cunningham's Batman? You know, we call him the Cade Crusader. But can Jaden Ivey be a Superman to Cade Cunningham's Batman? You know, superstars, co-stars, not somebody who's like, okay, cool, he's a cool second option. But I mean a guy who can absolutely take the reins. And, you know, you don't ever want to see Kay Cunningham get hurt. But this was, you know, him getting the surgery was by design so he can be back this summer and practicing. But the blessing in disguise is seeing guys like Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran step up into these spots where, you know, the guys ahead of them have gotten hurt and absolutely not just own their own roles. But Jaden Ivey is now playing point guard successfully. Jaden Ivey is shooting the three-point ball really, really well. You know, Jay Nivey is doing things, playmaking that we didn't know he could do. We all had questions about it. Jalen Duran, he got drafted, and they said he's a, he's, he's a ways off. Maybe he might have to spend some time in the G League, but look at what he's doing now. These are good developments for the Pistons. Alec Burks, Bojan Bogdanovic, these are good developments to have. Assets on this team that fit all across the cap space that other teams want. How often did we go through doing our own little, you know, trade machines, and then we are always met with the reality that nobody else wants our players. Well, teams are calling about Sadiq Bay. Teams are calling about Alec Burks. Teams are calling about Bojan Bogdanovic. And our young guys are continuously making the all-rookie, you know, rising stars games. So it's not a waste. It's definitely some disappointment to go around. But there's still a lot to take away from the season if this team is truly trying to restore you know, and I, I think it's very interesting. I want to we'll, we'll go with Jaden Ivey first because I I mean I absolutely loved watching him at Purdue, and it was like just wait till this guy 
gets to the NBA. I mean, there was a game at Michigan where he he might have I think he might have scored like twenty or twenty two, literally right in front of me. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, like yeah, you, you factor this into the NBA game, more possessions, uh, shorter shot clock, and allow the a little bit more floor spacing. And this guy's athleticism. I mean, at six four, he could take off, he could rise up, he could get to the bucket. How mm-hmm. I'm glad that you kind of brought it brought to light that it doesn't have to be necessarily a Batman and Robin because Cade does really kind of feel like he's got that personality that it can really be that co-star sort of uh, backcourt that we haven't seen since a since a Chauncey and Rip here in Detroit and prior to that you start to look maybe at Joe D and Isaiah where you have to have both of those guards that can play well with one another and both have strong suits so hey if you're having an off night that's okay I could pick up the slack I was very very happy with the Ivy pick and then to Jalen Duran I mean play him a hundred minutes a night I just want to see that guy (laughs) I just want to see him run up down the floor the athleticism that is there and we saw it with Marvin Bagley I think last year it was a post player the Pistons haven't had with superior athleticism in God knows how long. We saw it with Bagley, and then they added another one with Durin. I, I love that combination of those two. I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Jalen Durin has absolutely excited me uh, from this one perspective. He is a guy who's not going ahead of himself. We had a guy here in the name of Andre Drummond, who I believe was a, was a really good player. But the contract dictated he needed to become a great player. And he could never really, really find that way to kind of play within his own game, play to his own strengths, and find a way to get better in the ways that can help the team. You know, as the game was kind of changing by, uh, it was about shooting threes for, for big men, or at least that's what he thought. With Jalen Duran, whether it's in the paint or whether it's out on the perimeter, I noticed he's very, very composed on offense, very, very mature. You know, and, and the common link here, when Andre Drummond had a season, and I, I apologize for not having the year, but the season that Rasheed Wallace was his assistant coach, Andre Drummond, to me, had his best year. Now, I know he's had higher accoladed, you know, higher awarded years, rewarded years, you know, making All-NBA and whatnot um, towards the end of his time here with the Pistons. But that one year, he was absolutely aggressive. He wasn't shooting too many shots. He was trying to dunk everything. And Jalen Duran, who was his assistant coach in college, was Rasheed Wallace. And they talk about that. You know, that I, I call it the school of Rasheed Wallace, that school of dunk everything. There's just a level of aggressiveness that just states you're bigger than everybody else. Go out there and use your frame to cause havoc. And don't do too much. You don't have to be the flashy offensive guy. You know, you can see Duran go out there and just get 16 rebounds and be absolutely happy with that. Or go out there and and get 10 points on just putbacks and be absolutely happy that he went out there and did his job. And that's what I absolutely love about Jalen Duran and why I believe he's going to succeed because he has the skill set offensively to do a few more things than we saw out of Andre Drummond. He's just, I believe, in his development, still going through, you know, the rigmarole of things, still kind of listening to his coaches and developing uh, the right way. I'm a big Hamadou Diallo fan. Um, I love his athleticism. There was a point last season where there was like some sort of rift where I think Troy Weaver had actually come down uh, to the bench, and then everything kind of seemed to click for him after that last season. This year, it's been really strange the way that the rotation kind of works itself out. And, you know, Brandon, I I wonder what the long-term future is for Hammy, a guy that is such an athlete out there and can – you know, can really rise up, can go after a rebound. He, he brings a, an explosiveness. I don't really necessarily need to see him for more 
than 20 minutes a game, but I would like to see him consistently find a role within this team. And I think that as if the Pistons do nothing at the trade deadline, which I'm perfectly fine with if they don't do anything at the deadline, that Hammy still has a role here in this team for next season and moving forward. I'm glad you brought him up. I, I really am. Early on in the season, when I noticed he was the only one really exerting a certain type of effort or energy, not the only one exerting it, but a certain type that we've kind of all identified, I, I was a little nervous at first to write the articles that stated, you, you know, because when your team is losing, why highlight a bench player? But just the energy and everything that he was giving and the hustle, well, these are things that resonate with what we consider ourselves to be as you know, state of Michigan sports fans and, and more concentratedly Detroit sports fans. We always say it's that blue-collar work ethic. And it's, it's interesting. To start the season, I remember the um, media day press conferences. We were there. And uh, he spoke about his role this season. He said, I still feel like I'm young. I'm, I'm still pretty young. But um, I guess I'm a vet on this team, and they want me to start thinking that way. How I can help these guys get better, our young guys, and, and, and how we can become a better and a tighter, not just team, but family, you know, have this bond. And so he stated it was going to be more about the hustle, more about, uh, you know, playing to his strengths, more about doing things that the Pistons wanted him to do when they, when they, when they brought him in. And so I think being given a defined set of, you know, this is what you're going to go out and do has tremendously helped him because you're right, he has that skill set. He has these natural abilities, gifts, and talents. It's just about making sure, like we say with Jalen Duran, you're being put in the best possible situation and you're playing within that to achieve the most that you can achieve. And with Hami, he just, it's this absolute hustle, man. I, I, I it, it, it stinks when you see these guys giving all that they can, uh, like him, but the wins and the losses aren't going to be there. So guys like him and, and guys like Pryor, I might be going to an era that people don't quite remember, but like Junkyard Dog, you know, Jerome Williams, mm -hmm. from the Till era, uh, Jason Maxfield. These are guys who they deserve. And even Lindsey Hunter doing some of the, the, the down years. These are guys that deserve to be recognized irregardless of the wins and losses, because they decided to go out and play with that Detroit hustle, with that Detroit heart. And so he's a guy who, yeah, he's not going to be the heralded star. He's not going to go out there and, like you said, you probably only want to see about 20 minutes a night. Um, but I, I'm glad you brought him up, because I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he's doing amidst a season like this. Hammy hammers, that's all I want. Just rise up, go catch that ball off the heel of the rim and two hands and chuck that thing through it and uh, go bring that – Bring Is that, that the hashtag? Yeah, I, 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 I tried to, I, I tried to put it out there. I put the little hammer emoji. It hasn't caught on yet. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe one. Look, day. we got know. you. We'll make sure we got you. We'll trademark it for you. Know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we put it out there all over our airways, and we'll make sure people know where it started from. I like I, it. Hey, I like and hopefully he sees it and he's like, you know what? I like hammy hammers. I'm going to hammer a couple more down uh, this game as well. Now, should the Pistons? Should they make a move? Like, I don't think they should deal Boyan. I, I mean, unless the deal is too good to, to pass up, I really don't think so. I think that in this upcoming draft, if you add that wing score, if it's Wemby, you know, you add that wing, you get Cade Cunningham basically back. I, I feel like they have Sadiq Bay, Beef Stew coming in uh, off the bench with Killian Hayes. Like, I, I kind of feel like they have a decent young core here. Do they need to make a move at the deadline? No, no, no. No, they don't need to make a move. And the reason why they don't need to make a move is because of how Troy Weaver set this team up in literally two to three years. Uh, so, you know, they're in a position to, with over 
$60 million, about 55 to $60 million in usable cap space. And they can they, they have the capital they need during the draft season as well, like they've shown in prior drafts, uh, Troy's first year here as well as last year, to go in and make a trade to be able to bolster um, this rebuild. And during the draft season is when they actually have the ability to go in and, and better pick out who they want because they'll know where these draft picks are conveying. So say if they trade Bojan right now, it's traditionally or generally going to be to a contender. If it's to a contender, that draft pick might not be proper compensation for a Bojan if you don't have another deal set up um, in, a, in, a, in, in relation to this trade. So with Jeremy Grant, they traded him for a low-level first-round pick, but they knew that that pick was instantly going to go to the New York Knicks. So this deal was effectively a three-team trade. Um, between the Pistons, Portland, and um, and the Knicks. And it netted the Pistons a lot. And it was only because they knew Jalen Duran was going to be there. If Jalen Duran wasn't there, they don't make that trade. What if they made? What if they traded Jeremy Grant before they had that deal in place? Then they get to the draft, and it's potentially a crapshoot. You don't know what these picks are going to convey. What if they drop? What if the team you traded with goes on a run, and now that pick is worse? Uh, and so I don't think that they need to make a trade. Boyan is on a very team-friendly deal. He's on a you know team-controllable deal. He wants to be here. He is seeing a, a career high in uh, assists and his playmaking, career high in points, career high in three-point shooting, career high in free throws, and he wants to be here. He's a guy who I don't think that there will ever be a problem to say, hey, as these young guys are getting better, we would love to see you come off the bench for 30 minutes tonight. If, 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 say, a wing player they bring in just so happens to be. So, no, they don't have to make a deal. If they do, like you said, you know, it, it has to be something that absolutely moves this team forward. It can't be something lateral. It can't be something marginal. You know, I, 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 I see this noise about Cam Reddish. Why trade for another project? Why trade for another young player that you're going to have to try and develop and whatnot? So, I believe Troy Weaver has this team set up very, very well, that if you want to trade, he has set his price. If he gets that price, he will do it. And uh, if not, he doesn't have to do anything. Remember, Boyan was brought in to compliment Kay Cunningham. Amen to um, so that. That's, that's, and that guy in, in Boyan is a professional shooter. Brandon, my friend, I appreciate the time. We got to hit the break. We're up against it. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find Brandon on Twitter at Detroit Kool Aid. And now we have a name with the face. We've unmasked that masked man. Brandon, my friend, thank you so much for the time today, partner. We greatly appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me on. I love what you do, and uh, stay connected. There he goes, Brandon Dad. For Dana, Ryan, and Anthony, so long. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place, right here on the Michigan Sports Network.